This morning, wrapping up a series on Come and See the Fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, oh, Siri, Siri just thought I said, Siri, go away. Um, <laughs> both my iPad and my iPhone went bloop. Yeah, so, seriously, that's right, seriously, Siri. Um, so come and see the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what we've been talking about and we've had some, some great messages across the last few weeks in the lead up to this and when I prepared this message I was um, initially preaching a couple of weeks ago and um, then uh, there was a date change with Pastor Bruce and Julie going to Melrose Park and so I went back a week to last week and then with the hecticness of dance concert last week and being heavily involved in there Simon preached last week so that um, I didn't have to be doing that while I was doing the dance concert as well and so now I'm up here and the reason I'm telling you that is because the voices inside of your head start to mess with you, start to go, I've got my message prepared three weeks ago because I'm preaching three weeks ago and then things change and you go from, I've got a great message to, hang on, this little bit's just been taken, this little bit's just been taken and each and every week the voices inside your head start to go and so it's actually been really good for my message because as I've been preparing it, and then preaching it to myself over and over, it's just continued to go. And so the title of my message, which this is um, some guy called Johan did some artwork for this or was a some album. Um, but anyway, it's an old record. Um, if anybody remembers the old records label. Um, so the very best of the voices in my head. And I just thought, what a great title for a message and what a great little thing to have behind us as we and just to remind us as we're going through this morning and so I want to talk to you about those voices in my head and we've all got them right yes no a few people not quite nodding yet but but I'm up here talking about the voices in my head because I've got more than you and so that makes me more qualified to talk about the voices in my head and uh, trust me uh, there's a lot going through my head as I'm sure there is in yours as well but but in everything, it's like trying to capture or block out or take control of or whatever, however you want to look at it, trying to control, get a handle on the voices in our head is so crucial, but such a tough thing to do. Am I alone or does anybody else find it a little challenging to control the voices? And as I saw this image, as I was just having a look through a few things, um, I saw this image and I started to think about, imagine if you could record the voices in your head and then you know how you know, after a band's been out for a few years they release the greatest hits of or the very best of. Imagine if you could actually play back, maybe we might be able to do it in heaven one day and uh, play back the very best of the voices in my head. And uh, just for me, because you guys don't want to really, and I don't want you to, um, hear the voices in my head and I, to be honest I don't want to hear the voices that go on in your head so especially when I'm preaching so it's um it's one of those things but but it's getting a grip on that and so as I was thinking about the voice in our head you know we can practice doing so many things you look right around the world at pretty well any profession anything that's happened and you know thinking about back to a few things in my life remember practicing driving as a 16 year old learning to 
drive on the road and I'd been driving all through from the time I was about eight sitting on probably even earlier than that sitting on my grandpa's knee down on his farm and steering and then eventually learning to use the clutch and drive his old Datsun Ute and all those things and so I, I think of myself as the voices in my head tell me I'm a pretty good driver but then you get to the day when it's test day where you're you're going to actually get your licence so that you could drive on the road. And it's not like if you're older than me, you can't just rock up to... I hear all the stories from my parents and people their age that just rock up to the post office, or sorry, to the police station and basically show some ID if you've even got it on you and they give you your licence. It's a little more challenging um, when I was doing it. It's even more so now. But it's like you can do a U-turn a three-point turn, uh, reverse parallel park, hill start. You can do all these things and you've practised them and practised them and practised them. You know exactly what you're doing. But on test day, when it comes to that moment in time when you've got to pull up next to the car, well, the witch's hats, because they don't let you do it with actual cars, pull up next to the witch's hats, put it in reverse and you've got to reverse back in. Suddenly, your palms get sweaty. Suddenly the the voices inside your head switch on. They engage. They're sitting there having that little field day. (laughs) You can't do this. You haven't practiced enough. What if you hit that cone? What if you um, end up too far away from the curb? What if you hit the curb? What if you... And there's all these voices start playing in your head. You know you can do it, but there's the voices going on inside your head. We've got the... Got the old sporting... Scenario, just because you know, I always get a sporting scenario into it. But, but you've got these paid athletes, whether they're footballers or netballers or basketballers or whoever they are in any sort of sport. You're looking at a free kick, a shot for goal. There's no pressure. There's no one about to come tackle them. There's no one about to try and block them. A basketballer standing at the free throw line. All he's got to do is just practice 99 out of 100. A guy lining up for goal from the top of the goal square. Speak to Simon about it. Once you're actually in the mindset of a game, taking a shot from the top of the goal square is quite difficult, isn't it, Simon? Remember that, remember that day in Blackwood? But it's, <laughs> I just always like to bring that one back up for him. But, but it's like that, that moment, you've got no one else around you. A golfer with their swing. It's like you've practiced so many times, but suddenly you're actually having to hit it down the fairway. Make that last putt. You've made that last putt so many times, but suddenly the voices inside your head start to go, hang on, but it's a little bit windy. Oh, but hang on, you might overcook this. It might go a little bit too far. Oh, hang on, this is going to spray to the right. And you've got all these adjustments and scenarios going on. You can be sitting down practicing for an exam coming up to exam season or it's probably already gone for year 12s and uni students but the rest of year um, senior school will be coming up to exams and it's it's like that moment you're sitting down you know your stuff but you sit down in the exam room mental blame sitting down in the exam room you start to second guess yourself start to doubt yourself start to go through the process of but what if but what if going for that job interview you know you've got everything you need to be the best employer for that company step in step into 
the actual interview and you're sitting in front of a panel and suddenly it goes from being I'm so confident to I'm so scared. It goes from I've got the goods to make it in this industry to but what if? What's that about? It's about nothing else but the voices inside our head. Galatians 5, 16 to 23. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, uh, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so again, we've, we've got the fruits of the Spirit. What we've been talking about this month, the, the things that we're, we're aiming to live by, the things that are the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us, as we've unpacked already. But then we've got this conversation. Sometimes not a conversation, sometimes external things coming in saying, but hang on, and that's where we lead to these other things. And so what I want to look at this morning is the conflict, the conflict between the two. And so drawing that in, the conflict that is the voices inside my head, which can sometimes be sparked by other forces, other people. And uh, so I've got two boys three and six, Mason and Riley, and uh, well, they're around if you want to go with the age order, but Mason and Riley and I, I love just watching them at times. And it happened even this morning during the praise and worship where one's got something that the other one wants. Or one wants to do something, generally Mason, because he's a little bit older and a little bit smarter, wants to do something, but he knows he's probably going to get in trouble if he does it. And so what better way to do it than to get the little brother involved as the test dummy? And if the little brother gets away with it, then it's probably okay and I can get away with it too. And so you can kind of sit in the other room if they're in the other room or sitting inside, hearing them outside or wherever it is. And you can hear these conversations happen from time to time. And if you've got kids or you might just be able to think about your own life, and go, yep, I've had those conversations. Those little, quite close to manipulative conversations that we can have with people, in particular kids have them, where it's like, but, but if I get you to do this, then you'll get in trouble instead of me. But if it works out, what we do once we get a little bit older is we have the same conversations, but a little bit more savvy, but then we also wing it so that if it works out, oh, that was my idea, if it works out, I'll take the glory for that. If it works out, no, no, hang on, hang on, I get the promotion because that was, that was all about me. They, they, they didn't do it. And so we, we work these conversations in. But again, what's that? It's kind of like the voices in our head. 
It's coming through someone else, but, but if we're not savvy enough, smart enough to catch on to it, then we listen to it and we go with it. Back at the, the very beginning. In Genesis, God created the world. He made Adam. He names, or God makes the animals, then he makes Adam and says to Adam, go and name the animals. Hang out with the animals. They're going to be great fun. And so he does. Only God and Adam know why he called a giraffe a giraffe and an elephant an elephant and an ant an ant and all those um, different things that you just go, what were you thinking? But like, who would have thought to call a rhinoceros a rhinoceros? Not me. Um, but including like one horned ugly guy. And there you go, there's a rhinoceros. But now we call it a rhinoceros. So it's probably a good thing I wasn't Adam. But again, a little insight into the voices in my head. But Adam was still lonely. The animals weren't cutting it. And so God saw this and created Eve. And it says they were naked and felt no shame. And then it literally flicks. It's too small, my Bible, anyway. I'm just going to read it here. To Genesis 3, chapter 1, into now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So what I like about this is the serpent came and spoke to the woman. The woman wasn't there when God spoke to Adam about the tree. See, God has the conversation with Adam. You can have anything you like in the garden, but not this tree. Then he brought the animals in. He named the animals. Then God saw that Adam was still lonely, so he created the woman. And then the serpent comes and doesn't hit up Adam, hits up the woman who wasn't there when God spoke. Little, I find it, again, interesting. And just something to... To ponder, not we're gonna not gonna unpack that anymore today, but could unpack that a lot. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will uh, not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, right from the start, we... The battles, the voices in our head, the, the serpent coming and speaking to us, the deceiver, the deception, weaving its way in through many different forms. And what's it about? It's, it's that conflict between the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the world. Both growing, but what are we going to actually let come into us see last month I 
had the privilege of attending a Paul Scanlon communication masterclass. There's a few others from um, here that went down to it, which was just phenomenal to hear a whole bunch of um, information and revelation that he's unpacked over his life as a top-class world communicator. And uh, one of the things that just has stuck with me, you know, you just get little gems that, that stick out, was just a fact that he pointed out that we speak as humans when we're communicating in this sort of form to others, we speak at approximately 300 words per minute. But our internal voice, the voices inside our head, are going at 1,200 words per minute. So anything that I say to you is coming at approximately 300. But anything you're saying to yourself about what I'm saying to you is hitting you at 1,200 words per minute, like rapid fire. This guy's no good. This guy's awesome. This guy's great. This guy's no good. Whatever it is that's going on, come on, get to the point. I want to go have a coffee. Whatever it is that's going on inside your head is hitting you a lot faster and a lot harder than the words that are coming out of my mouth. And so again, what's, what's that about when, when we're learning things, when we're practicing those skills that we're going through, when we're reading the Word of God, when we're listening to a sermon, when we're learning to drive, when we're studying for an exam, when we're getting ready for a job interview, when we're going through all those things, we're speaking at those things, we're living life at 300 words per minute. But we get into the scenarios and our internal voice, the internal mechanisms are churning away at 1,200. My left hand is quite slow, am I right? Internal voices. And so what's, what's that about? We've got to be super onto the fact that if we're listening to the voice inside our head, we're doing ourselves more harm than good. So we've got to start to, to unpack that and understand that the conflict that's going on is real, yes, but we've got ways and means to overcome them. See, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love those words of Jesus. But I have come that they may have life. And not just have life, but have it to the full. Which means we're not living life at the 1,200 words per minute inside our head listening to those voices, but we're listening to the Word of God. And so how do we, just kind of answered my own question in there, but, but how do we therefore then unpack and deal with that conflict? <clears throat> how do we then get out of our head and into a place where we can see the fruit of the Spirit actually grow inside of us. So I want to look tonight at Encounter a little bit about um, the John 1, no, John 15. I'm the vine. You're the branch of Scripture. And, you know, maybe we'll see how we go, but unpack that a little bit and, and look at what a vine does to grow. But a little spoiler alert, you know, I planted a lemon and a lime tree in my um, backyard a few weeks ago and they've done nothing to grow. They've just stayed in the ground. 
in a couple of years, hopefully, if I can keep them alive, they'll produce some fruit. But what do you need to do to produce fruit? Just stay in the ground. Stay planted. Little spoiler for tonight. And where was I going with that? I do not know, but Jesus came that they may have life. <coughs> I was bringing it out for a reason. But come to encounter tonight. We've already read that one of the fruits of the Spirit He has given us is self control. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self control. And so as we're, we're battling with those words in our head, the more fruit that we can produce that contains self-control the easier it's going to be but it's, it's like that slow process of gaining momentum if we're really struggling with that conflict today and the, the self-talk is high, we're not just going to be able to, unless there's a miracle take place by the power of God, but, but what I've noticed in my life and others that I've prayed for and talked to about this is that it's generally not an instant moment of Self-talk's gone, I'm all good. It's generally not a, it's gone completely. I don't think I've ever met anybody that doesn't have that self-talk going on in some way, shape or form inside of them. But, but it's about learning to, to manage that conflict. It's about learning to produce the fruit and bring that out more with the self-control. And so John 3 verse 30, key A key in this is he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater, I must become less. I remember at men's conference years ago, we had Jamie Malcolm come over with uh, Greg French and uh, Jamie Malcolm was talking about just dealing with things in life dealing with situations, dealing with thought processes, dealing with actions, dealing with the things that we're we're wanting to get out of our life. And the thing that he said was that, well, if we just dump it and then try and start afresh, it generally doesn't work. But if we just continue to pour good in on top of the bad, as we continue to pour the good in, it flushes out the bad. Simon did the demonstration, similar... um, was it this year? Maybe last year? Sometime in recent history with the pouring in the water on top of all the other whatever else he poured into the, into the jug. But, but it just as we pour in the good, it eradicates the bad. It overflows and flushes out the bad. And so how do we deal with that conflict? Well, I think there's, there's three things that we can do. Three things. Pick three, my Lord. Three things. One, two, three. prayer reading the word and fellowship keep it real simple it's like prayer start every day with a moment of prayer target your prayer if you struggle with your thought life target your prayer to keeping on top of it target your prayer to Today, I'm going to control my thoughts. Today, I'm not going to let that overcome. Target 
that into so the start of the day is starting off on a win. However it is that you do it in your routine, start to, to target the voices inside of your head in your prayer. You know, I find that fighting voices in my head with other voices in my head is a never-ending battle. But targeting the voices in my head with my actual voice has so much more authority. So I've said it so many times and I'm going to say it again now is that that God didn't think, let there be light and there was light. God spoke, let there be light and there was light. And so there's power in our words and so yes, there's there's 1,200 words per minute going on inside our mind, but when we speak and declare, the 300 words per minute are so much more powerful than the 1,200 words per minute inside of our head. And so don't just pray in your head to overcome. Speak it out. Speak it out. Now, obviously, sitting at your desk at work, if you work in a shared workplace environment speaking out halfway through writing an email don't say that or whatever it might not be right and say maybe internalize those ones but uh or when you're getting aggressive with the devil or whatever you're doing in your prayer time maybe just keep them internal until you get in the car driving home or uh get on the bus put your earphones in and then just go for it and uh that'll be awesome we'll see you on youtube in a couple of weeks but uh but prayer get into prayer but not just internalised prayer, vocalised prayer. Speak it out, declare it. And the best thing to declare in our prayers is the Word of God. Get the Word of God into you. If you're not doing the Bible reading plan this month, um, I think we're up to about day, well, depending on how you're actually, when you started it. Um, if you started it when we started it on the Sunday in church, then you'll be up to day 29 but if you didn't, then wherever you are up to in any of that, no, some of my connect group looking at me going, am I out of whack? No, I'm good. Um, oh, you lost your streak. Wow, that's devastating. Anybody else keep track of their streaks? Lachlan? What are you up to, Lockie? 380 days in his version Bible app, which is pretty incredible. So good work, man. Um, yeah, there we go. Bit of celebration. <laughs> love some, love some spontaneous applause. You know, when it comes to to reading the word, I had this picture, this thought um, at prayer night last week, and it was about reading the word and not just reading for the sake of reading. See, because when I was reading to study for exams or reading a book, it because I had to read it. You just read it. And you get through it as quick as you can, cover to cover, put it down and hope to never pick it up again. But, but we, reading, weeding, reading the Word of God is not like that. Reading the Word of God, I, I liken reading the Word of God to eating a good steak. You don't want to smash it and put it down at everything. You want to actually enjoy it. You want to take a mouthful at a time and just chew it and enjoy the flavour, get every little bit of taste you can out of it, right? Yeah. Okay, anybody that doesn't like steak, you're looking at me going, yeah, whatever. But like when you've got the perfectly cooked rare steak, 
that still has the flavour in it that you haven't cooked out by cooking it well done, Mr Daddo. <laughs> that actually still you can chew without it feeling like rubber. When, you, when you've got that just succulent piece of meat in your mouth, you don't want that to end, right? It doesn't matter how big that steak is, you don't want it to end. And so it's, it's like that with the Word of God. This is my new picture for reading the Word of God, is that but I don't care how long it takes me to read a verse or a line or a statement in the Bible until I've got all of that flavour out. And then you're kind of like, all right, that's done. Swallow that bit down. Nothing left in that. Now it is turning into a well done state. But it's like, until I've got that out, I don't want to move on. And so when you're reading the word of God, don't just read it for the sake of reading it. Don't just read it to, to say, oh, I read the Bible from cover to cover in 12 months. It's like, yep, that might be an awesome thing to say I'll do, but if we're not getting anything out of it, there's plenty of heathens that have read the Word of God and plenty of people that are more against the Bible than we are for it, that have read it cover to cover. But unless you're getting it out of it, then it's a complete waste of time. And say, so, read the Word of God, but read it to gain read it to to actually enjoy it and then the third one fellowship it's doing exactly what we're doing here now it's coming together to learn from each other it's coming together to to talk to one another it's coming together to be encouraged by one another as living life with friends living life in our connect groups as living life in on Sunday mornings, it's, it's, it's coming to prayer nights in 2019 when we kick off prayer nights again. It's, it's coming along to events and functions, not because oh, I might get something out of it, not because, well, well I want to get fed, but, but because fellowship does as well. It's because hanging out with people puts a smile on my face. It's because me being there puts a smile on someone else's face. And as we, as we do that, as, as I rock up to an event and someone smiles at me, the voices inside of my head going, why am I here again? They dissipate. Straight away, as soon as someone walks up and says, hey, great to see you. As soon as someone smiles, as soon as someone shakes my hand or gives me a hug, the, the voice is going, really, why did I bother about coming here? They, they're gone. Just like that. And so can I encourage you, get into prayer, get into the word, and get in to each other, get into fellowship. And I think as, as we get into these things, that conflict of the voices inside our head, that conflict between all those things that we read out before, of the flesh, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, to name a few of them, those things are they're going to have less of a hold because the conflict has gone from being in that realm to the fruit of the Spirit has started to be produced inside of us and we've got our self-control, we've got our love, we've got our joy, we've got our peace, we've got our forbearance so that we can actually come into fellowship and not the voices inside of my head have just continued that sentence but I'll let you continue them for yourself. And so as we wrap it up, I'd love you to just close your eyes.
just to give yourself some space to, to block out those around you. Father, I thank you that you've come that we may have life and life to the full. God, I thank you that you are for us and not against us. God, I thank you that as we remain in you, as we're in your presence, as we're in your word, as we're in the fellowship and the company of like-minded believers, God, I thank you that we can overcome the thoughts in our head, the voices in our head. We can overcome the the conflict and we can start to live in a place of producing the fruit of the Spirit. We can start to live in a place of love, of joy, of peace, of forbearance, kindness. We can live in a place of goodness and faithfulness and gentleness in a place of self-control. So God, I pray for every person in this auditorium this morning. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I believe we all need to step into something, some degree of change and transformation in this realm. And so God, for every person from the front to the back, from the left to the right. God, every person listening online throughout the week and weeks to come. God, we speak and we declare victory over every battle that's going on inside our head. God, we speak victory of every circumstance. God, that we would be people that aren't living in the fruit of the world. But God, we'd be people that have crossed over. We've won the conflict. We continue to win the conflict day in, day out through our prayers. We continue to win the conflict through getting into your word. God, we continue to to overcome that conflict and live in a place of your fruit being produced in our lives. 
through fellowship, through being around each other. So God, I thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God, we have the victory. God, we speak. John 3.30. Over our lives this morning. More of you and less of us. God, more of you in our lives and less of us. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Just while you've got your eyes closed, we're in this moment just to, to wrap up. You know, to speak that, to declare that scripture, more of you, God, and less of me. Kind of implies that we've, we've already got a relationship with him. So if you're sitting in this meeting this morning and you're going, but my relationship with God, to, to speak that, to think that, to declare that scripture doesn't quite work because I don't have any of God in me. So to say more doesn't work. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray a prayer with you in a moment of, to invite Jesus, God's Son, who died on a cross for each and every one of us into your heart to start you on a journey of walking with Him each and every day, praying and declaring more of you and less of me, God. So if that's you, if you're sitting here this morning, you need to respond to that. I'd love you to just slip your hand up where you're sitting now so that I know who you are, so I can come and pray with you after the meeting. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. Don't want to embarrass you in any way, but if you want to pray that prayer with me in a moment, can I just get you to slip your hand up? Father, I thank you. Father, as we go into this week, as we have the run into Christmas and all that that brings in the silly season, God, we pray that we would live transformed lives. God, we'd live in victory. God, we'd live life to the full in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.